Welcome back to This Food Thing podcast and season three with me, Gemma Richards. As before, I invite a special guest to share their experience with food, namely friend or foe, whether it is easy or less so. In light of the first two seasons, it appears to be foe for many, as it was for me. But this doesn't have to always be. Exciting news. We started a crowdfunder for the podcast and to help fund anyone suffering with an eating disorder unable to afford one-to-one therapy. Check the link in our show notes, donate, leave a review. We're always so grateful. Because you know if this area of your life is skewed, then so is the rest. It's never just about food. Hi, welcome back to This Food Thing podcast. I'm very happy to be here today with Lydia Goldman. Lydia was born in London and has recently returned to continue her MA in Global Health and Development. Lydia has been both anorexic and bulimic and was pretty much recovered until caught up in the coup d'etat, the military takeover in Myanmar earlier this year. She's busy at the moment writing and editing her book, Red Moons and Silence Truths. And you can catch her on our Instagram video series, This Extra Food Thing in Shame Part 2. Lydia, welcome to this Food Thing podcast. Hello, what a lovely welcome. Thank you for Um, having me. That's my pleasure. I worked very hard on your introduction. (laughs) It was great. Oh, so this is the second time we've chatted quite recently because we did the video first, didn't we? Yes, we did the video. How was that for you? It was good. My first time doing anything like this, but I really enjoyed it. I'm still yet to watch it. Yeah, I know, I know, but we we understand that. I would be, I would be exactly the same. Um, so I, well, I reckon you have quite a story. Let's so let's just start right away. Uh, yeah. Food, food. Is it friend or is it foe? Oh, I wish I could say friend, as I'm sure many people do say. But mm-hmm. I think more recently, foe, or maybe fifty fifty, but. I'm still struggling quite a bit with that. I wish it could be friend. I'm working towards it. So how does it um, present itself as foe? What does that look like? Um, I guess there's just still a lot of food that scares me still. I have like negative connotations with certain food. Which ones? I always struggled with carbs mainly. Um things foods that I used to enjoy and love when I was a child and I could just eat I've never got back to loving them I mean I want to love them but it's tricky so does that mean that there was a moment there was a moment when it all changed what when I was younger yeah if you're saying you're saying you used to love them but now yeah I used to be really really free with food okay I I loved everything and then I think, yeah, around 16, 17, it suddenly all changed and food just became like the devil, really. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So as a child, was with your family, were they very relaxed around food? Yeah, I think my parents were really good when I was younger about like no negative connotations about food. You can eat everything in moderation. And that's how it was growing up, you know, as a child. And then it started to creep in I think around that age 15 16 17 of my family also becoming a bit fixated on healthy eating I don't know how that changed within them but it changed in the family so okay that's fascinating so what happened suddenly there were different foods on the table suddenly you had to restrict your foods or there was a lot of conversations or what was that like it started my mum going on a diet actually 
And then I guess you pick up on your parents, one parent eating different things to you. And then you're thinking, why are they eating like that? And then around the table is a lot of conversation about diets and what is healthy and what's not in the family. Was your mum overweight? She was actually, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And she used to be really skinny. So I think she has a lot of food issues in her head, but she would never admit to it. Okay. So suddenly what's, so were you overweight? I wasn't overweight. I was always on maybe the heavier side of healthy. Okay. But I didn't think of myself as overweight. I was quite happy with myself. Ah, okay. I'm wondering how you joined in with your mum. This is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Um, And whether they turned their attention onto you and went, ooh, you're carrying an extra pound. You could do with losing some weight. Or whether the whole family was invested in this new way of eating. I think the whole family became invested in it. And I have two brothers and they are quite, they've always been slim build. And I was always a bit heavier than them. So I think I started to be compared to them. That's just annoying, isn't it? Yeah. That happened to me. Yeah. (laughs) That happened to me. You'll get your own back when they're older. I think boys can eat, oh, not all boys, obviously, but they could just eat anything growing up and stay skinny. Yep, some boy, my brothers did, really annoying. So, okay, so they turned their attention on to you. Um, How, in what way, suddenly you were uh, sort of receiving comments or... Yeah, comments. And then also sometimes we went to our grandparents. My grandma would say comments as well, which at the time when I was in an okay headspace, it didn't really affect me that much. But then I did begin to think about it as I went into depression unrelated to eating. Oh, wow. My yeah. dad used to tell me that I was fat. Really? Um, in all That's sorts horrible. Of, yeah, it is. It really hurts, doesn't it? In all sorts of different ways. And he was constantly on a diet. Talk about yeah. transference. <laughs> but then, do, do, what did your grand say? Can you share that? Yeah. Well, it started actually when I was about 10 and I was at her house and she would just say, right, when you're just standing at a bus stop or waiting in the line for something, try this, sucking your stomach and holding it, tightening your muscles. And then we'll say, we need to tighten up around your stomach. Or if I would eat something, she would look at me like, do you really need to eat that? And wow. I think, yeah, now I think about it. Is, it this, is this your mum's, it is harsh. Is this your mum's mum? No, my dad's mum. Your dad's mum. Mm. So I'm just very fascinated here. How does your, your gran, your dad's mum, get on with your mum? Um, I think she also made comments too, which obviously at the time I wasn't aware of. But ah. more recently I could hear it. And also my dad's aunt as well. But interestingly, my dad's aunt had an eating disorder. Did she? Yeah. Is that known in the family or something that you know? Um, I think it's known, but it was never talked about. And she wow. did tell me once, but that was before I developed an eating disorder. But it's very interesting how it has passed down. Yeah. Let's just talk about granny for a little while. Yeah. Listen to the podcast. <laughs> How is um do you think she has an eating disorder? I think so actually. I think my dad's side his parents are very much like my parents now with my dad being the con- not con- I don't want to say controlling so that's quite harsh. But well I imagine that he was controlled and if he was controlled then he would probably be 
find it impossible not to be controlling. Yeah. He, yeah, he was very much, he's very much now like his dad was. Um, but I think on that side of the family, there was a lot of hidden eating disorders, hidden eating disorders that weren't talked about. Wow. So it's very much about how how your family presents to the outside world, yeah? How you are all seen. Yeah. And, and, and creating this whatever image you, the family wants to have. I feel like they were like a nuclear family, kind of. I mean, what do you my mean dad, by that? It's like they just, we've learned a lot about it in uni, like they just want to be shown as in control of everything, on top of everything. Mm. Um, yeah. And my dad's parents were doc, my dad's dad was a doctor. Right. And his mum and wife, and they were just seen as, I think they're quite important in our community, very well known by everyone. Yeah, and very important to keep up appearances. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me and to be perfect right yeah to be perfect that's the word <laughs> yeah perfectionism yeah so okay so you're 15 16 17 yeah feeling okay about food you've borne these comments yeah but then you said that you became depressed yeah so around that time we moved to Indonesia and right. where did you move from that from London we originally, when I was seven to 13, lived in the Netherlands. Right. And then we came back to London. And then mm. when I was 17, I was, I just finished my first year of sixth form. And there was a surprise announcement at the table saying, we're moving. And it was all the way to Indonesia. Wow. So that was, yeah, a big change. And I'd been to a lot of schools growing up and I finally felt like I'd found my people at my school in oh. London. Oh, I'm sure. And it, yeah. it, you mentioned it on the um, the video, anyone yeah. listening, go and watch. Um, <laughs> and you said that you'd been to 11 schools yeah. by the time you were 17. Yeah. Can you see here that helicopter overhead? Um, <laughs> they're spying on us. Um, so that's extraordinary. So you finally settled because you also said that you'd never been able to be in a school long enough to make friends so you finally settled yeah and then you're sitting around the dinner table or the meal yeah. table yeah and there's this announcement that you're off so you, you and you also said that you you have this expat lifestyle so clearly that's your mum and dad's work yeah my dad's job right okay yeah. okay so you have no choice you have you have to go well I was kind of given a choice I was told that I could either, I would never be able to stay at the school I was. I'd have to move to stay with my aunt, which was like Ooh. an hour and a half away in a really rural village. And at that time, that's not what I wanted. I didn't want to be separated from my brother, who I had a really good relationship with. And if I was going to have to leave a school anyway, I thought I might as well take on the adventure of going overseas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So... When did the eating disorder start? Did it start here or when you got there? It started when I got there. So we moved. Mm, mm. I started the school. It was great for the first few months. I loved it. I guess you have that right. rush of endorphins. And then yeah. I suddenly realised, oh, this is very different. And I'm not sure I fit in. I okay. Got depression then and that's when it started. So you started to feel... It, did you feel excluded? Yeah, I guess the school itself was very high pressured and leaving all my friends behind, I started to feel like really down about it. And then some things happened in Indonesia as well. So my boyfriend over there was abusive 
that mm. was a big thing and then there wow. was a lot of infidelity in the family and all oh, of that wow. just came crashing together all at one time wow and exploded yeah and big so explosion. big explosion okay <laughs> maybe several right yeah so your solution was it to stop eating no it started as we had a long holiday at school and a swimming mm. pool and it started mm. with swimming I did I had to do a certain amount of laps every single day um, okay yeah. what do you um, think that was about um I think I had gained a bit of weight over there and then it did become about body image because over when we were living in Indonesia I didn't have a car I couldn't walk anywhere I couldn't go to the gym or anything and right. I had no way of doing exercise and I just became fixated on that and then also at that time my dad was very fixated on exercise so I just used that was that a way of aligning yourself with your dad as well yeah I think so yeah did you exercise together sometimes we had a home gym as well so we do some exercises but yeah I had to just get up in the morning and do this amount of laps before I could do anything it just yeah do I'm yeah oh I know that one about exercise I was yeah. totally addicted to exercise for a long time um do you, do you think it was also about I'm going to just imagine here and not tell you how you were feeling, but I imagine you were feeling very anxious, very sad, all those things that we yeah. call depression. Um, do you think you were trying to sort of wrest some kind of control back into your life or yeah. were you punishing yourself or how, what, do you know what you were doing when you, that I, first step, when you suddenly went, okay, I've got to do this amount, these amount of laps around the pool. It was control because I had, literally no control I couldn't just leave and go back to England I couldn't sort out my parents issues I couldn't like my boyfriend at the my ex-boyfriend he came from a very high power in society like his dad mm. was the leader of the military over there I couldn't wow. do anything to stop him wow. um so I had literally no control so that's what it did start as with the exercise and then slowly restricting my food and what kind of response did you get from people as you were restricting your food? Um, when I first lost weight, it was, wow, you look amazing. What have you been doing? Tell me your secret. Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, What's this? Just don't eat. <laughs> <laughs> My parents are like, wow, you look really good. Ah. Yeah. So obviously that made me think, oh, okay, I should keep doing it because I wanted some attention from them as well. Yeah, not surprisingly. Do you also think that maybe a part of you might have been, and this is just left field, you can completely disagree with me, that you might have been trying to help your parents by pulling the focus away from what was going on between them so that they would be distracted. Do you think that was going on at all? Yeah, possibly. But then the thing is, my mum didn't know what was going on with my dad. I was the only one. I had the secret. <laughs> Ah, oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Ah, just it was just you and your dad in the know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're losing weight. Yeah. I'm interested about this boyfriend as well. Were you unable to leave him because you didn't want to, or because you literally were unable to leave him? It was a bit of both. 
the ex the community there's very small if you are an expat mm-hmm. and because he was very popular in the school mm-hmm. and I was missing a lot of school because of illness and depression he would like keep first keep me in the loop of everything bring me work and every and I was made to believe that it was in my head and he was actually a nice person and then also what I didn't realize was he was telling people that I was saying horrible things about them and turning everyone against me and I was beginning to feel like he was all I had so I just felt like I couldn't leave him until yeah it was a lot of manipulation mind control which now I thought it took me years after to realize he sounds a tad confused so you're being controlled by your dad and your and your boyfriend so you did you did you stop eating altogether or did you just reduce your food to a very small amount um I reduced it a lot and then the bulimic purging side came in Ah, so I don't think I was really holding down much at all. So I did lose weight really dramatically. Okay, okay. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to This Food Thing with me, Gemma Richards. Welcome back to This Food Thing podcast. I'm here with Lydia Goldman. Hello. <laughs> Just in case I forgot who you are. Um, we, what were we talking about? We were talking about your descent into anorexia and then you were talking about the bulimia started, which yeah. I imagine was because you were so very hungry. Yeah, I was yeah. starving. Starving. <laughs> so how long, did, how long did you not really eat for? Um, it, it was a really bad period for about a year. And I wow. got really visibly sick. But the f- problem was in Indonesia, they don't really recognise eating disorders. So they assume there must be something really like else wrong with me. So you went, did you go and see someone? Yeah. I mean, I didn't really tell, I told my parents, but not exactly. And they just also assumed there was something else wrong with me. So we went to a lot of doctors. I had to be flown to Singapore multiple times to see specialists over there okay so you went to see specialists and they no one diagnosed you with an eating disorder no even though like wow she's lost a lot of weight no one would still clock on or question it or ask me if I wasn't eating and what did they do did they do tests and think oh she's intolerant to this or she's she's got something fatal going on or yeah they did a lot of tests I mean they did diagnose me with an autoimmune disease as well right um but even I kind of think that was to do with the not eating because I know I studied mm. a lot into the biological biolog- biology of it mm. I know it can mm. cause a lot of things but yeah no one asked me which is actually strange thinking about now no one asked me if I wasn't eating well you said that the, the, the there's no acceptance of eating disorders in that culture so why would anyone ask you yeah that's sad isn't it <laughs> Yeah, it is. And I'm thinking about your friends at school, but I'm also, I know that you're missing a lot of school, but I'm also thinking that in many ways, it must have felt very good to have all this attention and to be flown backwards and forwards because it must have made you feel special. And clearly the attention that you needed was missing. Yeah, I did get a lot of attention. 
and my parents like were worried in the end when they could see I did look really ill. Which, were you yeah. able to? Um, I guess I'm jumping a bit. But were you able to draw a line under it when it was like, okay, I now have their utmost attention and I can move on? Um, no, I don't. It did change. Like it did suddenly change my mindset, but it was nothing to do with my parents. Or it kind of was actually. I was. I got into university in mm. England, and I think I mm. saw that as escape. Like I'm getting away. I can move back to England, which is what I wanted. I guess get away yeah, from sure. my ex and away from the family home, move out, and that did actually really help. I started. I did start eating better and yeah, it was weird. It just sudden change of mindset, just knowing I would get away from my family. Did you start eating on the plane? I think, yeah, I did eat more. I think that was the first time I had some bread, like the little bread wow. they give you. Yeah. Even I don't like airplane food, but I did. I just ate it and I was like, wow. Yeah. I was so happy. Yeah. I absolutely understand that. And so, but you were bulimic after you were anorexic. So the bulimic, I, I, I'm sort of picking up the bulimic phase was was not as intrusive. Yeah, it was, I, that was the habit I get, well, yeah, it was a lot harder to What, to, to break? Yeah, I feel like once, before I did it, like the first time I ever purged, I would tell myself, it's fine, it's just once, you're never going to you know yeah do this again yeah. but as you this know it probably it's yeah it's not the case yeah and I did find that really really difficult well, it's very, but, very compulsive and addictive isn't it well that, yeah and then when you go to university and you have freshers week and you're drunk and people around you are making themselves sick when they're really drunk to get rid of the alcohol and that I found that really hard I can never break to not it. join in or I would join in and think, oh, it's fine. I'm just drunk. I'm just helping right, myself right. not get hung over. Yeah. And it's just continued. Okay. Yeah. It's quite a tangled web, isn't it? You get yourself in quite a pickle. We get ourselves in quite a pickle. Yeah. So I'm interested. Let's, so we've, you've, let's park school up. I'm interested. Yeah. So you get to uni. Yeah. Are you, um, sur you're surrounded by new friends? Yeah, I and loved the beginning. It was great. Ah, uh, you love the beginning. What <laughs> happens? What happens? It was about halfway through my first year, and then I had some flatmate issues. Right. And then my family were back. Ah. Uh, and I suddenly just got really depressed again. Ah. Uh, yeah. Because you, your, because your family came back. Yeah, and I think something else happened within family. I'm, I'm not actually sure what happened. But okay. there was a lot of family stress and just flat, yeah, flatmate issues. And I had a boyfriend in my flat who we broke, we broke up and that just brought that whole cycle back. Right. And I, yeah, I just, I think I, I just got really depressed and then I stopped eating again. Right. Yeah. I got really sick. When you're, um, when you're depressed. Yeah. Do you feel numb or do you feel something? I do feel, n n yeah, numb. I just want to disappear. I and don't, 
I just don't know how to get out of it. So, but yeah, it's really difficult. So by not eating, that must be very helpful for the depression because you are disappearing, you're physically disappearing or diminishing. Yeah. Or... So the yeah. wish, is the wish that you just disappear altogether? Yeah, but also I felt like I needed and wanted help and I felt like the way to get, I. it's a bit, I don't know if this is really strange to admit, but I kind of wanted to go into hospital because uh, I just yeah. wanted to shut out the world and just have some safe place. Ah, uh, 100%. That doesn't sound weird at all. It sounds yeah. very, uh, very um, nourishing, actually. Yeah. So I just thought if I'd stopped eating and got sicker again, that I could get into hospital. And what just, happened? Did you? Um, I, st- I, well, I started seeing a therapist at the Maudsley mm. and it ended up with day patient. Okay. So, but that was also a break from uni. I had to take six months off. How did you feel about only being a day patient and not being admitted full time? I don't know. They they gave me the choice. They said you can go or not. And half of me was like, okay, well, if I don't go, I can still not eat and maybe go inpatient. But then... The rational side of me was like, no, started then to be like, no, Lydia, just, just do it, go. I, mean, and I never really talk about this. <laughs> it's well, hard to yeah, admit. It's, yeah, it's, it's so difficult to admit. I'm, you know, so impressed with your bravery and honesty, as I always am. But some, you know, <laughs> you're really digging deep. It's amazing. And I'm not trying to um, pry I'm genuinely no, interested not, yeah. and, and it takes me back to my own behaviour and kind of what goes on in your, your head and your heart and what makes sense and what doesn't because in hindsight, you just think, really? Well, that wasn't what yeah. I was up to. <laughs> yeah. But I think if I'm, okay, I'll talk about myself. If I'd been wanting to be looked after and in a safe place, I'd have been pretty hacked off that I was just a day patient and not in full time. And so I'm interested that yeah. you were the one who intervened on your behalf and you went, no, just be a day patient. But then you had the other voice going, because you can still on the outside not eat. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think my intention was, I don't know, I wanted to go. I didn't, I did and didn't want to go and then to see how it was. But they did also tell me that if you do go and you don't make progress, they do put you down impatient so maybe looking back okay. that was my goal okay okay yeah <laughs> setting, setting your goals yeah. so um how to talk to me about day patient treatment what was that like um I felt like I was a child again there was a lot and of ha- rules mm-hmm. you yeah I mean I was talking to someone about this today it's really weird to describe it it could be a sitcom I mean you yeah. go in you have to pick your menu items each week and you have lots of art groups, um, drama, which is actually quite fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's a lot of rules with eating, which I did find really hard, obviously. You had a timer where you had to finish in a certain amount of time. Um, so, say that again? You had a timer, you had to finish. Yes. Yeah, okay, so yeah, you can't so sit you had- there for like three hours with an apple or something. Well, no, if you didn't eat your lunch in the set. Well, I don't know. 
I guess it worked. But if you didn't finish your lunch within 30 minutes, you'd be sent home, right. which is also counterintuitive. I don't, yeah. I mean, it did work for some people. Did it work um, for you? Yeah, I always been one to follow the rules, actually. So I didn't want what? to break the rules. <laughs> okay, no, I, yeah, I get that. I get that. I was scared so you, of breaking the rules. Right. Well, of course, of course. It's sort of, um, imagine it's been drummed into you. So yeah. did you did you thrive in there? Did you... I actually did well. I'm. I made some really good friends. I mm-hmm. did start eating things that obviously I would never have eaten if I hadn't gone in. I actually really enjoyed the drama and everything. I drama clubs. I found my confidence. Lovely. And also, I feel like there were. This might be sad to say, but there were people there who were sicker than me, and I realised I was really young and I wanted to enjoy my life. I think that's really important to say that because yeah. some things get hold of you and some people yeah. never get better from whatever they're suffering from. And it's a terrible way to live. It's such a prison. Yeah, I really realised that. And I was young, I was 21. It was a, wow. literally the day after my 21st birthday that I went in. And I just knew that I had to sort like help myself get better because I don't think you can go into these programs if you're not there to help yourself as well because no one can actually force you to pick up the fork or anything yeah and I really realized that in those six months it did really help me did you did you find it helpful hearing other people's stories and sitting in group therapy and stuff there were some group therapies that were hard like psychotherapy and there was a lot of angry shouting at each other but it was really good to know that yeah I wasn't alone I think I hadn't up until that point I hadn't found anyone who was willing to disclose or talk to me about having an eating disorder so I did feel really alone I had no one to talk to about it so that did so you didn't help. even talk to your brother um we did a. I think well he knew what I was doing I think I was worried because he sort of developed some habits as well so I didn't want to talk to him about it Right, okay, so you're protecting him. Yeah. Yeah. So did you so you did six months at the Maudsley, is that right? Yeah, day patient and then about a year of weekly therapy after. And how were you at the end of that year and a half? Um I mean there was one point where I did slip again, but then I got back on track and uh, yeah, after the year and a half, I was a lot better. I went back to uni, finished my degree. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was in a lot better place, and I had a lot more hopes and happier. I was happier in myself. And then and you're, ob- mm. I was say then it was COVID, and then yeah, I went to Myanmar. <laughs> yes, which we're going to talk about. I'm intrigued. Where are your family at this point after this year and a half, and you're feeling more hopeful? Are they are they still in England or are they somewhere yeah, else? No, still in London. And are relationships better with them at that point? Yeah, I think the distance of me being away at uni helped. And everyone, right. everyone seems happier at that point. At that point, okay. Yeah. And has the whole, have, has the sort of culture of you know, that was discussed previously around the table of all the sort of healthy foods and the changes, has that calmed down a bit or is that now just um, part of your family? Part of it, but they were, I think the Morsley offered um some sort of therapy to caregivers which mm. helped them realize things ah. 
yeah, that they shouldn't say. Did you have family therapy together? No, my parents refused. <laughs> How did that make you feel? I was upset because I, I think at one point I literally asked my dad I literally, to his face, can we please go? And he wouldn't. So I was hurt by that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can imagine so. Um, some people just can't bear it. It's just too painful. And I've always said yeah. that you have to be very brave to have therapy. And I think yeah. the fear is, is that, and it's a, a relevant fear, but that you, you know, open up the can of worms and you never recover because it's overwhelming and it sweeps you away. Sorry, all these metaphors and stuff's terrible. <laughs> but that, um, and that, yeah, you'll be just, sucked under by it all and actually the opposite is true isn't it yeah yeah it's so important to have therapy yeah so, everyone should everyone in the yeah. world should if you get a good therapist I think that's, that's true, important that's to say true. as well if the relationship works then yeah definitely go for it and yeah well that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast series isn't it okay we're going to take another quick break we'll be right back You're listening to This Food Thing with me, Gemma Richards. Hi, welcome back to This Food Thing podcast. I'm here with Lydia Goldman. We were just talking about Lydia's got herself back on her feet after a year and a half of therapy. You've left uni, haven't you? Yes. Things uni. are better in the, yeah, finished uni. Um, things are better with the family. And now you're going to Myanmar. Is that right? Yeah. How did yeah. that happen then? Um, well, I went, so when I finished uni after my graduation, I treated myself to a trip. And nice. I went to visit some friends in Myanmar yeah. that I knew from Indonesia. And I just fell in love with the country. And mm -hmm. I just had an interview when I was there at the British right. school they were working at and just on a whim. And I got the job. And wow. I was like, wow, I should go. I should just do it because I don't know exactly what I, what I want to do next in my life. And I thought, this is such a great opportunity. And I decided so, to do that. Amazing. So when was that? Was that before COVID? Uh, it was the summer before COVID. And then that I was before COVID, isn't it? The yeah. before COVID. Second then I, lockdown, third. <laughs> yeah. And then I went to do some more traveling and then I wanted to mm. save up some money doing some nannying. And then COVID okay. hit. Yeah. And I was wasn't sure if I was going to be able to go. And then it was last summer, there was one flight going and I was, didn't know whether to take it. I had five days notice to pack up my life. Wow. And I decided to go on the last and only, yeah, the last and only flight back to Myanmar. Wow. Yeah. So you went, so I'm kind of just trying to work it out. So February was the coup, wasn't it, this year? Yeah, so I went last summer. Last summer. So you'd been there for what, like six months? Six, seven months. Yeah. And everything was hunky-dory? Yeah, it was It was probably the best thing I did. I didn't know anyone. My friends didn't end up going back on that flight. So I just went, had to make new friends. I loved it. Obviously there was COVID. The restrictions were quite intense sometimes. But then everything was amazing in January. And then the coup hit in February this year. And I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that you, you're not 
you don't have any eating disorders or food's kind of okay because you're having such a good time and you're happy. Yeah, it was a lot, lot better. Yeah, it was really, really good. And then... Okay, so what happened then in February when the takeover um, happened with you? With you, What happened? How did that affect you? Um, obviously, I lost all control again. And I turned that back onto food. Mainly... Well, it was made, it started bulimic tendencies purging, but then as the coup worse as it went on, there was less food available in the building, so restriction because there wasn't any food in the shop, like, and I couldn't get access to anything. So, what happened? Because I mean, physically, what happened? You weren't allowed out of your apartment building. Yeah. Um, first, it was okay, and then on our street. There was gunfire, bombs, military everywhere, so we couldn't leave. We're basically locked in our apartments for a month. For a month? Yeah. Um, you couldn't go I, out of your apartment for a month? We couldn't go out. I literally saw people from my balcony being shot. It was very scary. Wow. Um, there was no – the internet was cut off and the 3G was cut off. So most of the time we didn't know what's happening. There was only one TV channel that was in Burmese. I couldn't understand it. It's very scary. That would have, that would have been all propaganda anyway, right? Yeah, it was the military channel, yeah. Yeah. How scary. Were you on your own in your apartment? Um, I had some friends in the building in another apartment. So we did end up making like a time and a place to meet because we had no way of contacting each other. And yeah, and then we couldn't even sometimes do that because people would try and run into the building and the military would storm it so it was very scary that's terrifying yeah. were yeah. you were you high up on a high floor um I was on the fourth floor we did kind of make a plan I feel like it's quite bad we watched this film called no escape beforehand where the same thing happens wow. that was a week before it happened which was really weird coincidence yeah. And they had to escape the exact, exact same situation in Thailand. So we kind of planned our escape route if we needed to. Wow. So what stopped the military coming into your building? Was that the fear? Um, Obviously, there's plenty of fears. Sorry, but was were they keeping everybody in? Yeah, I think we we were in a lot of a better place being foreigners because if they did shoot a foreigner, obviously then it would be big, big news. And the world outside of Myanmar were kind of shut off because of the internet yeah. and no yeah, news yeah. was getting out. So I knew they they probably wouldn't have harmed us, but I did have some friends that did come over and I was kind of like protecting them. And I knew that if they came in and found my friends, I don't know what would happen to them. So that was a big fear of mine. And also wow. not being able to get out of the country. That was really difficult. Yeah, unthinkable for most of us. Yeah. For a lot of people listening. So it seems a bit trite, but um, there isn't enough food. Did you start restricting because you were so fearful you didn't have any appetite? Or because um, it was a way, again, for you to wrest control from the situation? Control. And then any time I did get food, I would purge it so yeah get it get no sure get rid of it as soon yeah. as possible like getting rid of the horror so then I was kind of taking away the food from myself anyway because there was less and less food and I was just 
getting rid of it. Did you have that feeling again, those feelings of wanting to disappear? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure. How terrifying. So you, and did you, did you get depressed? Yeah, I got very depressed. Did you? I don't know. Like, yeah, it was just such a weird situation. I think I felt guilty in the end when I knew I could leave, to leave my friends there in the country. And I felt like I was doing something wrong and I just didn't know what to do. I'm very depressed with not, no one to talk to really. And I knew all my friends in the same situation as me, my expat friends are also really depressed. And there was just no light really in the situation. Wow. Because you're carrying the guilt for everybody else. Yeah. And then when I did tell my Burmese friends that I was leaving, they kind of turned against me a bit. So I felt did even they? more guilty. Yeah. What did they say? Did they say you need to stay with us and be in it? We're like, all in it together. Yeah. They're like, everyone's leaving us. You're not a true friend if you're going home. But in the end, our embassy told us that we had to leave. So I didn't really have a choice. Wow. And I still well, feel that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Well, you've had a lot of that, haven't you? Yeah. You've had a lot of that sort of feeling responsible for other people and carrying secrets. I mean, it's just writ large in your in your life thus far, really. Yeah. And I'm again, again, just sort of back to the your relationship with food. When you got back, to, did you come straight back to the UK? Yeah, we had to take three flights, then we managed to get back, and then into quarantine, which was also difficult, like food wise. And Be because I couldn't go out and buy anything, like I was back into the mindset of safe foods, right? Um, and I think, yeah, from then on, it has been difficult, especially bulimia. Because I haven't had, I've been like waiting for therapy for PTSD and everything for a long time and I haven't had it. So that just remained a struggle. <laughs> so is that, would you say that's an ongoing struggle? Do you sort of dip in and out? Yeah. 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 Well, Sometimes you know what? it's better, but it's, yeah, it's still a struggle. <laughs> Sometimes it's helpful. Yeah. I found that. It doesn't, you know, sometimes it's it's helpful and you sort of dance backwards and forwards with it. I'm not sure how many people talk about it like that, but it's that it was true for me. Yeah, and that's um, true. You know, you've got to let yourself off the hook, really. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 Most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So that's incredible. So, uh, mm. So how would you say you are, how, how are you today then? So you, because we started off the interview, food friend or foe, and you said foe, but I'm making it my friend. How, yeah. you're waiting for therapy. How, how are you going about making it your friend? Just, I, I actually think the last two weeks I've done really well at challenging myself. And if someone invites me to do something, say yes, because I am still realizing, I'm realizing life is too short, like I said before. Mm. And I, uh, yeah, it is becoming more friend actually now I think about it. I have been going out to eat a lot and just making sure I'm in good company, feeling positive and taking myself out of situations that make me feel really low. And, and so through that it's becoming more friend. Wow, that's amazing. Good for you. And, and, and as regards to your family, your 
you're doing this interview from your family's home, aren't you? Yeah, but my parents are actually away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're just you're just using their Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, and the heating. <laughs> and the heating, lots of heating, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's snow here. We've got snow on the ground here today. Um, but okay, um, so are things different with you and your family? Yeah, I've, well, I moved out again recently, two months ago, mm. and before that it was really difficult here but since then things are looking up again and I mean the past isn't really discussed I think everyone just gets on and puts it behind them so I don't know if that's good more good or bad probably both I don't know whether it's yeah I, I think um I think the more healed you become we become inside and the more peace you can find, that's what shifts other relationships. It's not about other people changing, it's about you changing. That's true, yeah. Because other people are doing their thing. You know, the impact upon us is whatever that impact is. But yeah, it's kind of like what is within your remit or our remit and control is is how we are, how we feel about ourselves, how we are in the world. That's all you can do. Yeah. That's my one goal still is to just, yeah, focus on myself yeah, and my happiness. And I'm slowly yeah. getting there. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I could, well, I'd, yeah, it's an amazing story and so extreme, particularly the last year. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. that's brilliant. And you're living with your brother now, aren't you? Yeah, my older brother. We're both and how's- masters in London. Right. Um, yeah, it's going well. I mean, we haven't. He lived in Japan, so I haven't seen him for a while. We okay. get used to living together. Okay, so you've got someone there, haven't you? You've got someone in your corner. Yeah, yeah. And you've got friends here. A, yeah, I wouldn't live alone again. So, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's such an extraordinary story about being caught up in the coup. That, that yeah we could we could talk about that a lot yeah but it feels like you're kind of you're on you're on you're on terra firma you know you're not um I'm sure you are traumatized but you're 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 dealing with it I'm dealing with it and that's why I'm doing my master's in global health and development and it helped me even though it was a horrible situation I know now what I want to do in life and you know set up policies and go back and help and it's made me stronger so yeah amazing Lydia amazing I'm going to ask you a random last question okay. <laughs> if you were on an island yeah any island any climate you have a store cupboard or okay with condiments seasoning maybe not so many condiments <laughs> what five foods would you take Okay, the one and only condiment would be ketchup because I'm obsessed. During day patient, I got obsessed with pick and mix sweets. So I'd take a big box of pick and mix sweets. I lived on pick and mix sweets when I was in oh, high school. That's weird, actually, to think that. But I just love it. Um, I do love fruit. So a lot of melon. A lot of melon. What? Okay, yeah. you can only take. Okay, you can take a lot. Of, okay, you can take tomato <laughs> ketchup. Pick a mix sweets. Going to be really healthy. A lot of melon. Yeah. Um, popcorn. Popcorn. Sweet uh, or salted? 
sorted. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> um, the last one, I feel, yeah, I feel like I need something substantial. Oh, I would say bread because I'd have to eat it and it'd be a good challenge. It would be, wouldn't it? What kind of bread would you take? Mm, bagels. Bagels. Wow. That's one thing I want to get back to eating. <laughs> you can have ketchup and bagels. Yeah, well, that's a goal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's fantastic. Lydia, thank you so much for coming on this Food Thing podcast. Thank you. Good chat. Amazing. <laughs> Good chat. Amazing stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'd love to know your favourite bit from this episode. Let me know on Instagram at This Food Thing Podcast or join us again in the next episode.